One final Christmas passage I want to draw our attention to today is in Isaiah chapter 9. So if you have a Bible with you and you can see well enough to to glare at it and find your way to Isaiah chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1. But this morning we've heard the biblical accounts of the Christmas story. And we've heard that story from the perspective of many different individuals. We've listened to Mary's story. We've listened to Joseph's story. Story. We've listened to Bethlehem's story and the shepherd's story and the wise men's story. But I want to take just a few minutes to remind you that all of this together comprises God's story. And it's a, it's a story that is of God's great love for each and every one of you. It's a story for me and for you That what happened on that first Christmas morning is a hope for all of us. It's a hope which broke forth into the darkness on that first Christmas. But it's also a hope that continues to break through each and every time. A lost and weary sinner comes to know the Savior of the world. And so we gather and we celebrate this hope. We celebrate God's grand story shared throughout the ages. It's a story that has one hero from long ago to the eternities beyond. It's a true story about how God sent his only son, Jesus, to be the rescuer that you and I need. And God's rescue plan has been launched for all people who dwell in darkness. That includes you and that includes me. Because if we're honest, all of us have lived at least some portion of our lives in the darkness. We've all sinned. We all fall short of God's glory. We've all stumbled into the darkness. And long ago, roughly around 700 years before God's light began to break forth in the lives of Mary and Joseph and wise men and shepherds, God had already planned out those 700 years before. And even long before that, in eternity past, he had already planned out how his story of a redeemer might be our story of redemption and rescue and restoration and the source of our eternal hope. Even then, even long ago, the God of heaven put the world on alert that one day soon, He would turn on the light for those who were in the darkness so that they might find their way back to him. Let's hear that promise in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles the people who walk in darkness will see a great light those who live in a dark land the light will shine on them you shall multiply the nation you shall increase their gladness they will be glad in your presence As with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their 
burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning, fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this some of you came into the service today and you noticed that the lights were a little bit lower than normal and and your mind began to consider physical darkness have, have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and and you've tried to make your way across what you know is a familiar room, but you caught your toe on the corner of the bed or on the door jam, or something was laying out on the floor that caused you to stumble across the room because of the darkness, even in the midst of a place that had become so familiar to you. I think a lot of us have experienced that sort of issue. And many of us know that that little bitty toe can cause an awful lot of pain. Because that's the reality we find sometimes when we are stumbling about in the midst of the darkness. And dwelling in physical darkness can can cause us a lot of trouble. Well, here in Isaiah chapter 9, God promises the people who walk in darkness that a child will be born that a son will be given in order that he might give great light to them you know it's amazing the difference that a little light makes when you're in total darkness i've gotten pretty accustomed to using my cell phone and i can just swipe down and real quickly i can put on a light that i can use in the midst of the darkness i used it just this morning for example when i rose early to kind of complete my studies for today my wife was still resting. My family was still resting in the bed. And, and usually I'll take that little light and I'll, I'll turn it on and it helps me to get to my sock drawer. It helps me to, to get things done for the morning without waking everyone up. I don't normally aim it at my wife unless I'm just feeling a little bit of spite and I want her to share in my early morning experiences. But just a little bit of light, a little light can make a great difference. And yet what God promises here is not a little light. He promises that he will give a great light to these people who are walking in darkness. In fact, down in verse 6 of Isaiah 9, God promises that he will cause a child to be born and a Savior, a son, to be given to those who are in darkness. And this child will be called these wonderful names that, were, that tell us of his mission, tell us of his purpose, tell us of his character. He will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal 
Father, as in the Father of those who are of the faith, and Prince of Peace. This child is promised so that the defeat of the darkness and the the movement of those who walk in darkness will be from gloom unto glory. This is the hope of Christmas that we celebrate today. And over and over again today, we've heard the story of this child, this son that God promised to give. When the darkness surrounded us, God gave us a child to drive away the gloom of that darkness. What's the source of the gloom that this child is promised to deliver us from? What's the darkness which he has come to drive away? Well, you and I could pretty easily acknowledge that the sun still rises. The sun still sets just as it did for those northern areas of Israel that Isaiah directly wrote about in Isaiah chapter 9. They still had their oil lamps. They could still light up the darkness. And we have even greater sources of electricity and lighting in our day and age. They still had physical light, just like we still have physical light. So when God promised this rescuer of a child, he wasn't informing the people that he was coming to flip the switch that would eradicate physical darkness from their presence no they had no greater need than anyone else before them or after them to escape the physical darkness but what these people did not have was God's light they needed what all of us need They needed God's light to invade their lives and to defeat the darkness of their ignorance and of their iniquities and of their insecurities. And you know, often the Bible refers to God as light. In 1 John 1, 5, for example, the Bible tells us that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. In John 8, chapter 8, verse 2, Jesus spoke to the people saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And the things which lead us away from God, the things which cause us to be without God, this life lived in rebellion against him and shut off from fellowship with him, to to live that sort of life is to be living in darkness. And so these things that lead us away from him, our our sin, our rebellion, our stubborn hearts, our unbelief, these things lead us into spiritual darkness. God isn't concerned with keeping us from stubbing our toes. He's concerned with keeping us from missing his glorious design for our satisfaction in a life that is lived experiencing him. And the blessings that he offers to us. Life as it was meant to be experienced. The abundant life that he extends to us. God doesn't want you stumbling about in spiritual darkness. And that's why the child of Christmas. Who grew to become the Christ of Calvary's cross. Has come. God wants you to know of his love for you. He wants to defeat the darkness in your life. 
And the birth of Jesus was the dawn of the defeat of darkness. And friend, I just want to say, if you are not clinging to the Lord of heaven as the Lord of your life, then you are walking in spiritual darkness. Do you ever struggle with guilt? Do you struggle with fear? Do you you struggle in your life with hopelessness? That can be a pretty dark place to be. But God has given us a gift through his son who offers you a hope that defeats the darkness. And I just ask you, could this be the gift of Christmas that you need? Do you need the light of Christmas to defeat the darkness in your life? In fact, let me ask you three questions to consider whether the gift of God's light at Christmas is the gift that you need. Here's the first. Do you battle with the darkness of ignorance? None of us wants to claim that we're ignorant, but, but the idea that we're just going to kind of shut ourselves off, we're going to con- consider ourselves to be sufficient in our own right. You see, the people that Isaiah wrote about certainly battled with the darkness of ignorance. God's prophet speaks in verse 1 here of those people who were in anguish. And he calls out by name the lands of Zebulun and Naphtali. Those might be new names to you. Those are, those are names of individuals who were descendants of Jacob, descendants of the one who would be renamed by God Israel. And the descendants of those children of Jacob would become nations themselves. And so we're talking about two nations of people that settled within the northern kingdom known as Israel. And those two, those two nations of people, those two groups of individuals that were settled, actually settled in the area that was known as Galilee. And if you've been tracking with us for long through our study of Luke, you'll know that Jesus made a city within Galilee that the headquarters of the beginning of his ministry on earth. Nobody expected that because the people in those northern nations had not been faithful people. Isaiah's already called them out for some things which they had done which were very unfaithful things to do. And yet Jesus made this city of Capernaum within Galilee that headquarters of his early ministry. And multiple times, individuals who would hear about Jesus in the New Testament wondered, can anything good come out of Galilee? Or they would say, search the Scriptures. Is it true that a a prophet could come out of Galilee? They didn't expect that because the people of this northern region, the people of Zebulun, the people of Naphtali, were not faithful people. They had intermarried with others. They had done things which caused God's wrath to be against them. And yet God had chosen that he would make that land of darkness, that land of spiritual darkness, that land of the Gentiles intermixed with the Jews, a glorious land. And that's because the light of the world had dawned on the darkness of that region. It was on the Sea of Galilee, that northern region, where Jesus walked on the water and stilled the storm. It was on the, the, the crests of the mountain nearby where he fed the 5,000. And as Isaiah wrote this promise, the light dawning on those dwelling in the darkness in this area that that promise 
was given to a people who were steeped in ignorance. In fact, just before this passage in chapter 8 of Isaiah, we learn something of the darkness of these people. They were not seeking God. They had rejected him in favor of the insights that they could get from individuals who are far from God, mediums and spiritists, according to Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. And so the Lord asks in that verse, should not a people consult their God? That is, they were trying to figure things out on their own. They were not consulting God. They were trying to get it all figured out apart from him. They ignored his will and his plan for their lives. And rather than seeking his face, rather than living in according, accordance with his word, they lived as though he didn't exist. And this led them into darkness, into spiritual darkness. Just a couple of verses later, God promises, right before we get into Isaiah chapter 9, that they will look to the earth and behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And they will be driven away into darkness. Now, when we look to the earth for our understanding, when we refuse to consider or to consult the God who created the earth, we find ourselves in darkness. Paul lays that theme out in Romans chapter 1, where he writes about how the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness he says that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them and yet individuals did not honor him as God or give thanks and so Paul says they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened there's that word again darkness friend are you living your life as though God does not exist Are you suppressing the obvious truth that an all-wise and all-powerful God has designed a wondrously intricate universe where all things function together in a way that simply cannot be attributed to chance? Do you refuse to even consider the existence of this God? Or perhaps you know that he exists, but you refuse to seek him, or you refuse to live according to his design. Is that you? Many individuals take that path. They try to figure it out all on their own. They try to make it all on their own. They look to the earth in hopes of finding some sense of meaning and purpose, but in the end they find distress and darkness gloom and anguish no matter how hard they try they can't make any lasting meaning of it all and time and time again they find themselves falling into darkness the darkness of doubt the darkness of disappointment the darkness of uncertainty hear me on this my friends god has sent a child to defeat the darkness of ignorance You don't have to spend your days wondering if anyone cares about you or what your purpose in life should be. God has revealed his plans for you. He has sent his son for you that he might redeem you, that you might win you to himself. 
hear the good news of Christmas. God has given the light of the world so that you don't have to stay in the darkness of ignorance. So come to the light. Come to his word and find meaning and purpose. Come and gather with the church as we study together his plans for his people. Because the light of Christmas defeats the darkness of ignorance. Here's the second question. Consider whether the gift of God's light at Christmas is the gift that you need. Do you battle with the darkness of iniquity? Iniquity. We also refer to that as sin or as evil or as wickedness. Iniquity has to do with those decisions that we make, those actions that we take to pursue things which we know are contrary to God's design for us. Back in Isaiah chapter 5, the Lord declares, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Likewise, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul commends Christians, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, which are done in secret. The Apostle John in 1 John 1, 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with God and yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There's that word darkness yet again. Sin beats us up. Sin drags us down. Sin leaves us alienated. Our iniquities leave us feeling unworthy of God. Do you struggle with your sin? Do you struggle with the darkness of uncertainty? Feeling as though your sin has created an uncorrectable, uncrossable divide between you and God. Well, once again, I encourage you to hear the good news of Christmas. The child of Christmas has come to do battle with the darkness of iniquity. He has come to pay the penalty of your sin so that you might be forgiven. You see, Jesus, the child who was born to defeat darkness, he lived the perfect, sinless life on our behalf as mighty God in the flesh. And he went to the cross to bear the torment and the shame that was rightfully yours and rightfully mine. And God has designed that this rescue plan of his is such that when we yield our lives to Christ by faith, the darkness of our iniquity is driven away. And so those who trust in Christ are forgiven and declared righteous before a holy God. You know, that's something we could never do on our own. God had to act, and he did act, and he acted through this child whose story we've heard about over and over again. We could never make it back to God unrighteous as we are. But God has made a way, and that way came through Christ, who is the light who is sent to drive out our darkness. It's no wonder that Isaiah 9.3 says, You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. We can be glad, brothers and sisters, in Christ because we can enter God's presence with gladness because of what Christ has come to do, which is mentioned for us in verse 4. You shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. You see, friends, if, if your sins are not forgiven, then you bear a yoke of burden. But the Bible says 
You don't have to be that slave of sin. Christ has come to break that yoke. He has come to take away the rod of the one who accuses you before God. And so I urge you, trust in the one who lived the sinless life that you could never live. Yield your life to Christ and let him clean it up. Don't go on living in the darkness of iniquity because the light of Christmas defeats the darkness of iniquity. Here's the third question to consider whether the gift of God's light at Christmas is the gift you need. Third and final question is this. Do you battle with the darkness of insecurity? If you're trusting in anything other than what Jesus has done for you, then you are dwelling in the darkness of insecurity. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in Romans 3.23. And the wages of sin is death in Romans 6.23. So if you are in your sins, if your sins have not been forgiven, then your only hope for the future is a hope of death. You have no security beyond that. You live in the hopelessness and darkness of insecurity. In fact, Jesus spoke multiple times about what he referred to with this literal term, outer darkness. That was a reference to the eternal dwelling of those who are separated from God. If you die apart from Christ, you will spend eternity in the outer darkness. In Matthew 8, 12, for example, Jesus says that unrepentant individuals... Those who have not acknowledged the darkness of their souls and turned to the light of God, those individuals will be cast out into the outer darkness in a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I just ask you, do you dread the prospect of death? Now, to a certain degree, all of us do. We've got the associations of people that we have here on the earth. We have those whom we love, those who we don't want to be separated from. But for the Christian, there is a hope that endures. And we know that physical death does not bring about a worse status of who we are. Though we may be separated from those whom we love, we are entered into the very presence of the Lord because of what he promises for us. And so there's no need for those who are in Christ to battle with the darkness of insecurity. Because Christmas offers us good news. The Christ who has come at Christmas came to die, but he didn't come to remain dead. He came to defeat death. He came to win victory over the grave. And God raised this one up from the dead as a confirmation that this was his chosen rescuer. And so if you're battling with the darkness of insecurity, I urge you, come to Jesus. Come to the one who drives darkness away. Come to the Savior who has been born, Christ the Lord. Trust in the one who has overcome the grave. And find the richness of his forgiveness. Because he offers you a rich grace that redeems he offers you a rich grace that will give you a hope and a future and a security that no one can take away in fact jesus says my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me and i give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand friend there's no more secure place to be 
than in the hand of Christ, yielding your life to Him. And so do you battle with darkness? Then let this Christmas be a reminder to you that Christ Jesus has come to defeat darkness. He has come to offer to each and every one of us abundant life. Let me say one last word. We're going to have a prayer, and then we're going to light our candles, and we're going to celebrate the light of the world together through these last couple of songs. Always just one of my favorite times of the year. But if you're not a child of God, if you're not trusting God, if you're not secure in Christ, then you need to come to the light of Christmas. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus. And I want you to do that. I want you to trust in Jesus. He is the light of the world. So would you bow your heads in prayer? And with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, If you're here today and you're already saved, would you just begin to pray for individuals who are around you who may not know the Lord Jesus Christ? And if you're not certain that you're saved, or if you are certain that you're not saved, I have wonderful news for you. You can be saved for sure. You can receive eternal safety. You can eternally drive the darkness away by receiving Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And so I want to encourage you to pray a prayer with me. If that's you, if you're ready to give your heart to Christ, I want you to pray along with me because you can be saved. You can be sure. You can receive Christ as Savior. And there's nothing magical about this prayer. It's only an expression of what must be in your heart. But I'll tell you this, God honors a prayer like this, offered in sincerity. And so if you need to be saved, I urge you to pray something like this. Dear God, I know that you love me. I know that you want to save me. This good news that we hear about Christmas, God reminds me of your love for me, reminds me that you long to save me. Jesus, you came to drive out my darkness. I believe that you died to save me. You promised to save me if I would trust you. And so now with all that I have, I trust in you, Lord. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you paid for my sin with your blood on the cross. I believe that God raised you from the dead, and now I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I receive you by faith. I trust you once and for all to save me. I trust you to be my Savior and my God and my friend. God, would you start a work in me now to make me the person you want me to be? My life is yielded into your hands. I will follow you the rest of my life, not in order to be saved, but because you have saved me, and I am grateful for your work. I will follow you, and I will live by grace for your glory. I will not be ashamed of you. Because you died for me, I will, die. I will live for you. And I just want to tell you, friends, that if that's your prayer, if you would offer a prayer like that to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can have full confidence that he will save you. Because he is a God who yearns 
for you to be restored. He is the God who yearns for the darkness to be driven away. And so if that's a prayer that you've prayed, I want to encourage you to let somebody know about it. Maybe you've got a friend or a family member who's here. Maybe you've given your life to Christ. Don't let that celebration, don't let that good news, don't let the light that drives away darkness in your life be something that you take away and keep hidden to yourself. Let someone know and find a good church. It doesn't have to be this church. Find a good church that will love you and support you. We'd certainly, we'd be happy to be that church, but find a place where you can be engaged with God's people and grow in his light and his love. We're going to celebrate the light that has come into the world now. So if you have your candles, grab those out. Ask our leaders to come forward.